Ladies and gentlemen, before you even listen to this episode, get on your laptop or your phone or whatever and buy tickets to the live riff tracks of The Room this Wednesday, May 6th, before it sells out. It's being broadcast via satellite to hundreds of movie theaters coast to coast. It's probably playing near you, and you do not want to miss this. This isn't one of those room screenings where everybody's yelling dumb stuff and throwing spoons. No, this is three guys, Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett, the guys who turned yelling stuff at movies into an art form, riffing their asses off for you live. You know and love them from Mystery Science Theater 3000. You know and love them from RiffTracks.com. You're going to have a blast. It's going to be hilarious. And if you find that your local theater is sold out, no worries. There is an encore showing May 12th. So you've got two chances to see this. Do yourself a favor and be there. And now, the episode you've all been waiting for. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is John D'Amico. Hey. Jenna Ipcar. Hi. And our special guest, Tommy Wiseau. How you guys doing? Good. Great to talk to you, man. Guys, we have a special screening of the room on May 6th and May 12th. It'll be over 700 people, I mean 700 theaters across the country. Uh, are you guys are familiar with Rift Track? Yeah, we're big fans of Rift Tracks and big fans of your film as well. Okay, well I'm not a fan of the Rift Track, but then I'm, uh, <laughs> so, but uh, let's let's move on with the uh, questions. <laughs> So I've always wanted to pick your brain a little bit because you're, you're a filmmaker that definitely fascinates me. I've always been curious about your, your direction style. What, what sort of freedom do you like to give to your actors? What, what's your approach with handling actors? Oh, that's a great question. So I'm as a director, you know, I like when, I don't like one actor, for example, talk to wall, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a Hollywood situation when you shoot in a movie. I mean, just, because of the you save money, you know, without, um, let's say you have a script, you have some role and just, you know, talk to the green screen, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm not against that because this is, you save money, but I like to have actor another actor present the time what they do the scene. You know what I'm saying? Right. And sometimes it's really awkward because, uh, you know, first of all, a cost and the second, you know, uh, is related to, uh, environment. And I always, I'm for actors, you know, the more, the better environment for actors, I think is better performance. That's my take on that. Definitely. And so what's your rehearsal process like? Do you like to rehearse a lot with the actors and, uh, you know, get them playing around with things? Do you, do you use improv ever? Well, the improv is important, but I like to, you know, go by script. For example, in the, in the, in the room a situation, you know, people don't realize. That's why, you know, Rift Track organized this this interview with you guys. But long story short, about um, the process of rehearsing is very important. And also, you need a vision as a director, you know. So as you guys probably know, it's a lot of stuff was going on with the assumption about the room. And some of the stuff is really disrespectful. I always say, go to... Buy a DVD or Blu-ray, and you can see what's behind uh, the scene of the room. You know, right. what did what, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I believe in, in uh, you know, uh, preparation. That's what I believe. Process of rehearsal is very important, as well as how you prepare the actors. I, I don't know. You guys know that uh, about the the neighbors? 
Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we just checked out the first episode. Oh, okay. So it's on the Hulu. It's available on Hulu, and you see it's the same thing. You know, I always say to actors, you know, we as actors or, or, or directors, we have limitation what we can do. People don't realize how. I don't care whatever you do. Let's say Citizen Kane or um, Casablanca or any movies or, or, or big directors. So what is the defined big director? That's another question, right? But long story short, you know, all this stuff, you can see very clearly, you know, what what director tried to, to or producer, how we, we, we approach. So everybody's, they have different approach, but it's not for wrong, you know, somebody talking to walls. But I'm, 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 I always say I'm against, I'm, I'm in a situation when people hire me, as an actor, and um, I have a scene with somebody else, the person's not there, you know? Right. So, <laughs> but, but that's how it is, you know? Yeah, it's a very different experience. Yeah, it is. So, so again, you see, I, I always try to, like, and uh, if you look at the neighbors, we always have process of rehearsal, process reading the script aloud, et cetera, et cetera. You can, you know, when sometimes you can't the story, like uh, some of the people even big people in the industry say, oh, well, I never take the classes, like acting class. And well, for your information, this my take on that is BS, because you know what? It doesn't work that way. You have to prepare you as a character. I mean, you as a person. Nobody born an actor or director or, or, or whatever you want to do in entertainment. You know, you have to study the character, you know, what he, she, or come from, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's the key of a good performance, but, but I always say actors, all actors in the world did uh, always do a good job as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. But then critiques like you guys, you guys uh, will say, okay, this person is better, the other is not. The guy says accent, the other guy doesn't or whatever, you know. But, but it's part of it, you know. So, so it's nothing wrong when people actually criticize because by critique, you know, a person can be better. That's another I think what what I'm pro freedom. So that's the reason I'm talking to you guys. Number one, number two, I approve the riff track, as you know. Even though I'm not a fan of the riff track, let's let let's establish that, okay? Because uh, they have different uh, riff track. Remind me a little bit like uh, the neighbor. I mean the neighbors as well. The room when we started the room, you know, it's just like it is different cookie cutter from Hollywood. But I think they are very legit. Very respectful people and that's what you know you you, you cannot discriminate when you're in the part of a, a industry or entertainment so was it different doing neighbors from the room like a, as a tv show did you have to approach it differently to structure it and everything absolutely i mean i mean i don't guess know the history of the of the of the room is based on the 800 pages so used to supposed to be a play and again, and some of the people who talking about the neighbors, you know, how the phenomena started, etc. It's just completely off the wall. And people want to be famous by by lying about Tommy Wiseau or uh, the room, etc. It's completely nonsense. Nothing happened by accident. You as a producer or actor you have to prepare, you know. And people who in Hollywood, we have very simple formula, and people quit job, you don't get a credit. As simple as it is. So to respond to your question about the neighbors, you know, I have a similar uh, concept when I work with actors, but it's uh, neighbors, of course, is different uh, format because you you leaning towards the, the TV, you know, 
and I studied him for quite quite a few years. So, so, so some of these people who talking about me, it's completely nonsense. It doesn't make sense, you know. But anyway, what we have next? <laughs> <laughs> Which do you prefer? Do you prefer、uh, TV or, or movies? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm、uh, as a director, producer, an actor. I, I like variety. So it's the challenge, you know. Each time you do different projects, it's challenge,、uh, challenge for actor, challenge for you as an individual. You know, in, in my case, you know, it's, it's different approach, and you figure out. You have to figure out what what, what is better, and、um, how you react, and、uh, how you create. You know, creating process. I love creating process. So、uh, you know, I, I think you're undoubtedly an auteur、uh, filmmaker. I mean, you seem incredibly driven and thorough, and、uh, you're a complete genius at marketing. Because you make this, you made this movie in 2003, and here we are still talking about it and excited to talk about it. And it's probably one of the most successful independent films that's come out in the past decade. So I was, I was basically wondering, how do you keep up the momentum? Well, you know, I、um, I've been travel. I'm trying once a month. And、uh, I'm very optimistic. I grew up in family that you know you can say whatever you want. I've been preaching.、Um, I would say you can laugh, you can cry, you can express yourself, but please don't hurt each other. So、um, and then whatever person say negative is nothing wrong.、It's, hopefully you guys understand that. That's another thing. But in past few years, people don't understand about me. I, I think it's very important. You know, I'm American with accent, so be it, right? Tommy has accent, big deal. <laughs> But anyway,、uh, the fact is, I like when people express themselves. You know, it's very important. You know, in, in today's society, if you look at big picture,、uh, imagine when you're singing on the street, and let's say today compared 20 years ago, you see people think, "Ah, you crazy or something." People don't realize, and we、uh, part of entertainment as well. Media should understand that young person has to express themselves. That's a part of the nature, and、uh, and sometimes it's a quirky thing, you know. So、uh, again, it's nothing wrong with that. So to respond to your question, you know, I always believe in my project, you know, and if you believe in something, plus it's original material. Either though, as you know.、Uh, My guy, my assistant, told me that in 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 the new broadcast, some of the people you guys interview, it's completely off the wall. I always encourage people to do a little better firm firm research. What transpired the room? Let me give you a couple of example if you want to hear. Sure. Sure. Okay. So for example, script. You know. So、um, I'm very touchy about this stuff because I've been working very hard. I studied.、Uh, You know, we all study. You know, you you guys the same. Imagine, we you interview me now, and then let's assume for a moment, give you a scenario here. Somebody grab your podcast and say, put their own name or whatever, and say, hey, it's okay. That's me who did it. And later on, you find out how you feel about that. I don't think you feel good about it. Sure. Spend time. You Riftrack contact you, etc. And now we're talking, and somebody's stealing your stuff. So the script is the same story, you know.、Um, that's one of the aspects that the past 10 years, actually close to 12, people always say script did not exist, etc. Even actors, which is I was very、uh, surprised, because actually when you see behind the scene of the room, you can see very clearly script exists. It's not two pages, not three pages. It's 112 pages. That's number one. Number two, the who direct.、Uh, 
the room is completely off the wall again. Let's assume for a moment you grab scene from San Francisco, you grab uh, end of a movie, you do not have the room, as simple as it is. Some of those douchebags that try to get a credit for it and misrepresent my personality is, is shame on them, basically. That's what I can say. Okay, and you have many different aspects of the room, you know, how this come out, for example, phenomenon, the midnight screening. You know, do you think this happened just by accident? Because I say so. No, I did not. <laughs> we submitted uh, the room to Academy Award. As you guys probably know, you can check on database. After two weeks running, I didn't have an option, you know, it's just, and it's again, it's nothing to do with money. You have money, you don't have money, whatever. And long story short, uh, you, I was obeyed by a contract, two weeks contract. And that's the rules, one of the rules at the time when you, um, uh, you can be qualified to Academy Awards. You cannot release any DVD, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, again, after two weeks running, we, I received a dozen of emails and say, hey, we want to see your movie, et cetera. And they are, we, what I decided, I said, okay, let's just screen the room again in the Wilshire. That was the Wilshire screening room. And, uh, I don't know. I guess familiar with uh, uh, Los Angeles? Uh, not really. Okay. So long story short, they have a screening room. They call it screening room in Wilshire. And um, we screened the room there. So many people show up. And <laughs> basically, when I talk about this stuff, it's, it's a pretty unique situation because we got almost, uh, I mean, we got, we got the notice from the fire marshal that we cannot have a screening because I lyrically, I was quarreling between people because so many people show up because just imagine no, no seats, no nothing. It's just the people sitting all over, whatever, all over on, on, on the floor. So, so I called the theater and I said, hey, can we work on, on something? And I, at the time, I have great support from theater people. And then they say, the only thing what you can do, you have two options, screen the midnight or 10 o'clock. And I say, you know what? Just give me whatever. Let, let's screen. And that's what everything started. About Billboard, yes, it is correct that we have the Billboard for five years. I was attached to it. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. Next question. <laughs> have you considered um, publishing the script and the, and the play version? Because... Um... It would probably well, clear that up uh, for you. For your information, well, that's a good question. For your information, actually, the script is not playable. Uh, 112 pages. You can go to www.theroommovie.com. We're actually preparing a little trailer. When people see it very clearly, the script exists. And uh, actually, I'm considering it. It's pretty much you right now. But uh, you guys hear probably about Greg's history of book. I mean, everybody heard about it, right? Right, yeah. Okay. You may ask me some questions. Maybe you discover yourself. <laughs> so how long did it uh, take you to write the room? And what's your writing process like? Uh, how many drafts do you usually go through? Uh, what's your approach to, uh, to writing such a you know, big piece of work like that? Are you referring to uh, the room or are you refer to the neighbors? Let's start with the room. And, and uh, I'd like to know about neighbors as well. Okay. With the room, it's, uh, it's based on 800 pages book which I have never been published. I really don't want to publish myself, to be honest with you, but with the script, it's slightly different because uh, actually it was, I condensed from 800 pages, supposed to be a play. And then the reason I 
was thinking about play because I am, my background is also theater. I love theater. And I did street kind of design when I was a little kid, and I really enjoyed it. So long story short, again, you know, I, I, I did a study that, as you guys probably know, that in America, number of people going to theater and play is much less than number of people go. We are cinema country, if I may say that, you know. It's all I know. <laughs> and I think everybody will agree with that. We, we, we just lousy bump sometimes go to the theater. But I love theaters. Uh, people go to Broadway, as you know. Uh, eventually, we're actually doing the, we will do the, the room on Broadway. But to respond to your question, so that's basically what I did. You know, I, I concluded, okay, okay, let's condense entire script. And I condense uh, to respond to you how many drafts. I have like four drafts. And the, the final draft would, uh, it would, uh, that was to come out to 112 pages. That's what you see in the room. But some of the room uh, scenes, for example, I also condensed because I want to have different, um, you know, um, I want to have everything in the room. So the, the room I always call it is like a Caesar salad. It's like a Caesar salad. You have all the ingredients. And I, I learned from uh, from my teacher, you know. Uh, my teacher was studying under Stella Adler. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the pioneers of acting or not, but this is another different aspect of my life. But anyway, so so that's basically, you know, process of writing, reading, uh, and uh, creating a script is not easy. It's pretty condensed. Uh, I mean, the, uh, condensed with the time because you have limited time, but then it's all different. It's, again, it's, it's, on the end of the day, it all depends what vision do you have. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So if you don't have vision, you as a director or a producer or writer, I mean, you don't have project as simple as it is. So I'm very open about what I create because as you guys know about it, uh, you know, some people try to discredit my, my personality as well, my creation. I think it's wrong. It's completely wrong. Completely wrong when people are lying about the room that, oh, yeah, I did this. He didn't know what he was doing. Poor Tommy, right? Or go to uh, behind the scenes, the room on Blu-ray, and don't don't steal my stuff, you know? But we have a lot like bootlegging DVD, or you probably know about it. Anyway, what next? You know, I, I think that your your work has always been sincere, and that, and that sincerity is really what draws people to it. And I was wondering if you typically sort of draw from, is it from your own life or are you drawing inspiration from, uh, you know, do you look at current events? You know, what really inspires you to, to say what you say through film and, and television? Well, that's a great question. So so uh, I'm working currently, I don't know if you guys know about this foreclosure, a feature movie. And, no, we, um, we haven't heard about that one yet. Yeah, we actually, I'm working on it right now, but... We're still working with the, um, to producing more of the neighbors' episodes based on the contract, Hulu contract. So I'm very happy with Hulu people right now. Uh, but um, you see, the process is all, again, it's end up to the same thing. If you have a vision, I have a vision, you give me the words, you can do, give, give me it right now, I give you the scene. <laughs> so I'm good with that one. I don't know why, but, you know, I studied this, and uh, I know why, because that's my interest, you know? So, so again, you know, um, if you have vision, and you draw from life, you know? Uh, the room, the neighbors, you know, so you see a relationship. Like, for example, the neighbors, we have a lot of culture uh, from America, you know? 
uh, one of the characters, Cece, I don't know, you guys see the first episode, you probably see chicken. And uh, this is, again, people don't realize uh, how important chicken is in American cultures than like football. We yeah. promote football and directly, and as you know, you know, people making fun of the room. Oh, yeah, they play three feet away, etc. It's just completely nonsense. Again, we'll go to any American park and you can see kids playing football three feet away. They have funny, uh, groovy time. Coincidentally, you know, when I have um, uh, CNN um, interview, uh, people are actually playing in, this, um, in the stage. I mean, in the studio, three feet apart. So you say, again, uh, uh, Richard Gere can be naked, but Tommy Watson cannot be naked in the room. I rest my case, you know. Okay, we have 10 more minutes, guys. Sure. I wanted to ask you, because we, we had uh, Rick Harper on the podcast a little while ago, and he's working on a documentary called Room Full of Spoons. And I want to know what your thoughts are, um, if you're familiar with it, and what your thoughts are about the uh, documentary that's going to be coming out about the room. Well, let me tell you, generally speaking, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here on, I'm here to come out to your show talking about Rift Track and talking about Seven Hundred Theaters. Uh, generally speaking, you know, we have dozens of uh, reporters, people, filmmakers who submitted to us some of it uh, project, and some of the project is very sincere, other project or not. Uh, so, and some of the projects are not disres very disrespectful. So, to respond to your question, you know, um, for example, James Franco could be an uh, example of how industry works, you know? So, you know, if, if I'm a filmmaker, for example, and I want to make a documentary about someone, I usually go to source and say, hey, can I use this or this or that? Let me give you an example. One of the actors, there's nothing to do with 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 the question when you responded, but you just take my mind right now. One of the actors from the room uh, basically stolen the the poster. How do you feel about it when somebody steals something from you? And this is not a parody. It's not like a fair use. You see, we have a situation in Australia, for example, that's so laughable that how people have the guts to actually uh, to twist words around or, or or put somebody on the on the spot, even your show, you know, uh, my understanding is that, that some of the stuff, what you guys are assuming is completely off the wall, but I'm glad you guys are talking to me because, you know, again, this, this thing would, uh, would uh, true prevail, you know, it's very disrespectful when people make it assuming something which is incorrect, you know, I'm pro-freedom, you know, that's what we talk about riff track and uh, I give him um, this is another perfect example of very respectful people. We're not on the same page, but at the same time, I support them, you know. James Franklin, perfect example, you know. They approach us, and we approve, and some people just grab everything, stealing the left and right. You think it's right? I don't think so. I'm American. I'm proud of it. And uh, if you don't give me respect, fine, but don't steal my stuff because I'm going after you. Okay, talking about a script, how dare you? Even your show, very disrespectful. Some of you guys make a statement about me. It's not right, um, right, Mr. Cody? So again, you see, this is the thing What nobody born and be a reporter or a filmmaker, you know? But anyway, move on, next question. Yeah, we, we absolutely, you know, value your perspective and, uh, 
you know, fact checking certain things with you. So we definitely appreciate you being on. We want to read some questions because a lot of your fans listen to the show and they submitted a couple questions. So we'll just do those really quickly. Go for it. All right. So Jane asks, what do you enjoy more, acting or directing? I like acting, but I'm very passionate about directing. Um, uh, In case the room, again, you can see some of it, my beginning of the directing relate to the room. And that's another thing when people don't check that. Uh, let me give you an example straightforward. You probably, guys probably know about it. One of the guys who worked for us in the room, script supervisor, claimed that he directed the room. So again, this is the, the thing which is completely off the wall. How dare you lie? And you guys support this kind of behavior. You reporters. And I say it very openly. Tarantino or um, Clint Eastwood would tell you the same thing. We work very hard in Hollywood to create something. And we are very responsible people. And they're usually very detail-oriented. Anyway, move on to the next question. <laughs> All right. A little speech. The next question is from Joe Grabinski, and he asks, are there any current directors or films that have caught your attention lately that you've enjoyed? I enjoy Clint Eastwood, to be honest with you. I mean, the first, last uh, movie was spectacular. That was pretty different. I like one of his movie Power, for example, having you decide or not. I mean, it's, again, he has different flavor from my flavor. If you look at the, the neighbors, you, you see the, the room, like you already asked, you, you have different... You can see my style, I, actually. I say very openly. <laughs> So again, you say you need a vision. If you don't have vision, you cannot be a director. So, so uh, I inspire myself. So to respond to his question, if anything, uh, you know. But the same token, again, you know, some of the like, like let's say Austin Wells or Shikan and Desire or, or you know, all these different people who indirectly you may say influence me. I don't think they influence me too much except they give me some ideas about certain structure, you know. A structure is very important. It's the same, imagine you graduate from, let's say, from elementary school and then you go to high school and, and et cetera, et cetera. The film is a similar step. You have to take it. But it's again, and you end up have vision. If you don't have vision, you don't have project. Definitely. And you sound very, very self-driven. Well, thank you. Yeah. But see, again, I respect people and like, just recently, let me give you an example, because I usually like to uh, give people examples and say it's better. Uh, just recently, I did uh, uh, the voiceover. They hired me for animation. And I love animation, you know, because it's something different industry, you know, like the, it's, it's people really enjoy, I enjoy it myself. And I think in the past, I, I don't know how you guys hear, see it, but I noticed in the past five or six years, the comic books are pretty big right now, you know. Based on the comic books and the, and the certain writers or, or animators, etc., we create new stuff in, in Hollywood. So it, I think someday I'll be like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm into this comic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, you know, but I like the real life. So, Would you ever want to make your own animation? Well, I, I was thinking about the room. We want to actually do the room, uh, you know, uh, prequel and sequel maybe. Who knows? <laughs> That sounds good. That would be uh, great. What movie would you consider to be the worst movie of all time? And that question's from Katie. 
everyone. You know, I'm laughing because you see, a war is worse, you know, how you define. It's the same like acting, how you define which is better or worse. I always, I always say like in, in, in reference to the room, I say all actors did a good job. But to respond to me, I don't know, be honest with you. I think all the movies in war, I, I, you, may, you may classify like people do, this is worse, this is better, this is whatever. I always say, if you as a filmmaker or director or whatever you're producing, whatever is out there, and you, people are talking about, I guess he or she or they or whatever team did a good job because, because we talk about, you see? So it's, it's, it's not an easy question to just say, oh, yeah, this movie is worse or this. I, I, I take my fit, let's put it this way, to be nice. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I, I actually have one last uh, question. Oh, you know, let, let me tell you, Kobe, right? Cody, right? Yeah. Yeah, let me say also about, you see, you may, you may disagree with me. There's nothing wrong with that. So, see, again, you see, it's up to, sometimes I say, it's up to audience how they react towards your project. Of course. And then again, you see, if, if I am pro-freedom, like I said in the beginning of, a, of this interview, it doesn't matter for me if you laugh. Even you, I encourage you. See, I have a situation. Give you, you want to hear a couple of examples? Sure. Okay, one of the example, uh, let me give you, uh, it's related to DVDs. So I have a situation in Chicago when I was in the, in the event, I have my Q&A, the guy bought 10 DVDs, and I said, God, what a great stuff. He bought, oh, wow, you know, I was surprised. Usually people buy one DVD, whatever, right? He bought 10, and he was talking to me and said, Tommy, I want to say something. I said, what do you want to say? Said, you can ask whatever you want. It could be negative, I don't mind. I said, you bought a lot of DVDs, wow. And uh, I was very surprised, but the same talk, and uh, then he said, I want to confess something. I said, what is it? And he said to me, oh, you know what? I actually download your DVD, uh, your room online. And I said to him, I said, my understanding is we never allow download in the first place. But I was so, such a such a fun of, of this guy, and I said, yeah, well, uh, I said, you know what? It's, it's okay, I appreciate that, that you actually say that. Because you see, this is again, this is a perfect example how respectful people can be, and you as a person can change if you do something wrong, you see? And right. that's a perfect example of the room when people sometimes even, mainstream, not you guys, but sometimes maybe you, but others, and mainstream media, that they don't give us credit, we just, and then we just let it go, you know? we move on to the next project. So, so again, this is a perfect example of how the room connects people. And uh, as well, you know, people have fun with it. It's nothing wrong when people criticize the room, for example. So the riff track on, on I believe, May 6th, yeah, that's correct, and May 12th, they'll be ripping the, the, <laughs> the room in and out, whatever they want. They actually, they did this before, uh, but not on this scale. So I'm very happy about the, the event. So the final question is? Yeah, I was just wondering with um, some of your dissatisfactions about how people have treated the room and everything, does, is that a concern for yours with the neighbors? I mean, has, Yes, it has, is actually, you know, because I don't think people should... You see, I don't mind when, uh, like I, I was talking to you guys, uh, you know, we have uh, early evidence of my creation of the room. You can see it uh, before I ever shot the room, you know, because I usually... You know, I have my workshop in Los Angeles area for acting, 
as well, you know, I usually grab the camera, you know, in my classes, like an acting class, and then got into trouble all the time. <laughs> Use the camera. Uh, but long story short, you know, uh, yes, it's this important because, uh, you know, how you feel. I don't think Shakespeare would appreciate somebody, uh, let's be nice to, without bashing anybody, to borrow your stuff. I don't Shakespeare would appreciate Orson Welles and others who have been creating something where they have a roller coaster, right? Perfect example, I love Lucy. I don't know if you know the show, Black and Why. Yeah. And probably released the entire show the same like we did with the neighbors, you know. And like, you know, but but it is what it is. So so some of the stuff, it's, it is what it is. You have to be patient and... Some of the stuff you had to you have to say, hey, this is wrong, and and I'm talking very very openly about it, you know, and and I think uh, I don't need any recognition, but if somebody stealing your stuff is wrong, that's my point, okay? Downloading the room is wrong because we not allow this kind of stuff, and you as a consumer, I mean, you cannot afford eight dollars. Send me email, maybe I send you for free of charge, you know, but at the same token. I think the society has been changing in the past five, ten years. Industry has been changed, you know. So, so um, right now, the neighbors is perfect example. Where we, uh, we have a contract with Hulu. We have, I think, ten more episodes. Actually, a bunch of four. So, so hopefully, people will enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I wish you a lot of success with it. Great, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. It's it's great to hear your your unfiltered take on uh, your work and uh, everything else. Okay, guys, thank you very much. So again, the, we have a big event on May six and May twelfth in, in, in U.S. of the seven hundred theaters. Hopefully, you guys can attend one of the screening. And also, we have a screening um, in, in Canada as well. That'll be on May six, I believe. One of his days, 6 or 12, but in America, 6 and 12. So hopefully you guys enjoy the room. Awesome. We'll check it out. Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I love you all. all thank right. you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 All right. So that was the Tommy Wiseau interview. And so this is a little bit of a postscript. We're just going to discuss it. What are your guys' take on uh, what transpired? Uh, he seems sincerely angry about it. <laughs> You know, people coming in and swooping in and, and taking credit or, or, you know, sort of, I guess, uh, rebuilding, you know, his memories. I can I can sympathize with that. Yeah, and I, I totally understand that. I mean, like, you know, what he's saying about people stealing his film, that's what most people feel about their work, you know. But a lot of his success and the way people even found out about it, like when I found out about it, it was because somebody just sent me a link to it. It was like, you have to see this. And I watched it and... I, you know, I enjoyed it so much that I ended up buying the DVD. So it's kind of like an interesting world that we're in right now where it's like, yes, you're stealing something, but you're also, it's also free promotion. You know, you're, you're essentially like a, an unpaid worker who's promoting the film because you just love it so much. And, you know, yeah, it falls into that gray area of it's not yours to do that with, but you know, it's the way people find out about it really, really quickly, which is what really helped this film's success. Yeah, it, it's almost sad because every episode we've done about The Room, it feels like there's a lot of sincerity on all sides and a lot of like what seem to be very genuine interpretations of events, but people are having a hard time kind of lining them up one another. 
It was cool that he came on and he was very honest and upfront about it. And I'm not particularly interested in, you know, making a judgment call on what he was saying. I'm just glad that we gave him a uh, podium. Yeah. And it, you know, it seemed like, you know, the Rick Harper stuff, if you, if you have, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the Rick Harper episodes, you know, go back and listen to that. Rick Harper's making a film called Room Full of Spoons. And for the record, he is another genuine, sincere filmmaker trying to make. Absolutely. I mean, this is the guy that you would want making a definitive film about, you know, the making of the room from the perspectives of the people who worked with Tommy. You know, Tommy isn't directly involved with Room Full of Spoons as of, you know, the time that we're recording this. But it's interesting to hear everybody else's perspective, too, because, you know, when you're making a film, you're putting what you're putting into it. But sometimes the people in your crew or your cast have a different perspective. You know, that's valid, too, because it's interesting to hear their take. I think it's interesting about Room Full of Spoons, too, because a big part of that documentary, as Rick was telling us, is that it's focusing on the fans and what the fans want and what they like and and their interest, sincere interest in that movie. Right. Which then creates this whole whole other monster that that Tommy doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be behind in that sense. That, uh, you know, that they're they are the fans are taking over this film in yeah. a way. And riff tracks in its way is too. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the sort of mystery science theater three thousand approach to watching a movie where you you have this mix of sincere enjoyment and also sort of viciousness about it. And I've never spoken to a filmmaker before. Well, I did once. I spoke to Roger Christian, who directed Battlefield Earth. And he had a similar sort of ambivalence about the concept of, you know, a movie that lived on, but in a way that it's harder for the filmmaker to control. And he he said similar things to what uh, Tommy said about how certain aspects, things he did on purpose, things that he did with, with intention were, were sort of spun a, as jokes or mistakes after the fact. Yeah, I think uh, the enjoyment factor is really the most important because... There are people who will go off and call the room, you know, the worst movie ever made. And these are people who have seen it like 10 or 12 times right. and who, who watch it like damn near religiously. So that's what I was uh, agreeing with him on when we were talking to him, because, you know, it, it, there is a definite irony. Like, it's almost like we, we don't know what to call this yet. So yeah. people reach for calling it bad yeah, but that's not really an accurate. And we're we're into like thirty years almost of this kind of yeah filmmaking, this kind of film watching, maybe more like it. Right. I don't. Is there? Can either of you think of any sort of artistic precedents for this? It's like almost like folk art. Yeah, you're almost. It's it's outsider filmmaking. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's it's different and it's it's captivating, and that should make it technically good. You know, if you're going to be rating it on good to bad, these are these are positive things. You want something to be out of left field. You want something to be a, a unique take. You want something to be something that you can't stop thinking about. You know, that that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah I always approach art just as something that evokes any sort of emotional reaction in me and whether or not that's disgust or it's, you know, anger or annoyance or love or, you know, sadness and et cetera. You know, it's still art. Like, it, I can't deny it being art if it if it does something for me. More often than not, people really enjoy the room. Like, I, I rarely encounter people who outright say, oh, I can't even watch this. Like, it has a very watchable quality to it. You get into a rhythm with it, and you can sort of ride that wave and finish it, and it's something you're going to think about. There are aspects of Neighbors, which, um, for technical reasons, is a very difficult show to sit through. Mm-hmm. The, the sound quality of that show is, it's hard. Right. It's not as good sounding as The Room. Yeah. 
the thing about the room is it's really technically well put together. It, it, it's sort of, you know, you you can watch it. And, and Neighbors is it's got this you know roughness where it's like camera mics almost, and and it's I mean just physiologically difficult to sort of listen to that hum sometimes. But there were you know scenes in it where you you get that sort of like you, you can see even if it doesn't land exactly that kind of bitter commentary being swung. He certainly has a very unique perspective that absolutely shines through, you know, and I, that's actually what's so amazing about it. Like, like he was saying about the, the, you know, when you look, when you think of America, you think of chicken and football. Yeah. That's great. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) There's nothing wrong about that. And it's just such a wonderful approach to it. It's just, it's a unique new sort of approach to something that we all know and see every day. It's like, you know, walking down the same street every day and then someone pointing out like, you know, isn't it weird that, you know, we're walking and everyone else is driving or something that you like don't think about. Yeah. And, and that's, and it's, that's definitely a real appeal to the room and to neighbors and to everything he's done. It's a sort of thing that we would accept from like Banksy, you know, if we saw some like football and like a chicken drawn on like a wall, but people have a disconnect. And I think it, it is like the folk art aspect of film that we're just sort of, I mean, we're entering in this new century of, an intense democratization of film. And so we're going to have more folk art feeling films. And we're not, we're just not used to that as much. And I think, you know, reevaluation. We have no apparatus for evaluating anything like that. But there, I mean, the, the fans are trying to do that for this movie now. I mean, that's what the last episode was about. Rick kept saying over and over that there's just something special about it. And he doesn't know how to, phrase it or express it right and i think that the the trouble the words just aren't there yet the trouble for the filmmaker then is you have all these people who really like interacting with you and with something you did but they they don't like it you know the way you present it there's a sort of um it's almost like a like a romance doomed to failure you know yeah it's all these people trying and and sort of like the more they interact the, the worse the interactions become almost by necessity it's like weirdly kafka-esque i feel like to be like a filmmaker who made a cult classic in that way mm-hmm. because you're trapped by success that's read as failure and failure that's read as success you can't and win i don't know how you just as a person grow from that you know how do you you know you make a movie and usually what happens is people really like it and you're like all right cool let me do my next one i'm really you know amped up from this or people really hate it then you soul search and you're like, all right, let me do my next one. And, you know, I'll try to do better. But when you make a movie that is responded to with such a complicated cocktail of like love hate, how do you, you know, when you start the camera on your next movie, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you not li- like worry about what, what things will be taken as and, 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 you know, this and that. And it's, it's for me, not a reflection on the, the quality of him as a filmmaker. I'm not really, that interested in that i'm just interested in the experience of like what is that like just as a person right to have made that to do that i think though i mean like i don't know i'm i'm sympathetic to rick harper and i'm sympathetic to what he's trying to do because oh, I, absolutely he's definitely coming yeah. from a place also of a great guy oh yeah really? no, he was i want to make really that very guy. clear <laughs> wonderful human being really sincerely trying to do something expressive and you know human and and artistic but you know what but I mean? But then when he's, when he's doing something and he's interviewing people that, as Tommy's saying, are lying or are taking credit, then like, where, where did people get left? You know, it is, it is interesting and it's tough. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we haven't seen the film yet. We've seen little chunks and we've talked to him a lot. 
Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see the the finished product and for Tommy to see the finished product. You know, but I, I would say too that I, I think that maybe what Tommy is worried about and doesn't or doesn't like, I think in the end will still help him in the sense that no one can really take the room away from him. It doesn't matter if, if everybody came out and started saying all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, nobody's doubting, you know, yeah. that he made it. You look that that's a movie that you look at it for better or worse, you know, very specifically one person. That's a singular singular vision. Oh, clearly. There's no way. There's no way that this could be made by several people that are sitting there claiming that they did. And you know, I think that maybe film filmmaking is collaborative as is. There's you can't point to any movie, any director, anyone ever, actor, editor and say that like this is the one person who made this entire film alone it doesn't really work that way so for people to come out and say that they want they they're trying to take credit for little things i think that he, that tommy should just take it if you're listening tommy i think you should take that as as a you know um it's flattery. It's flattery. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just that they're all they want is a piece of of what you have, and then what what he made, you know. And it is what it is. Yeah. And Tommy, if you're listening, thank you again. It was great to have you on. You're always welcome back. And uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with a couple questions from the mailbag. And now Chloe Peltier reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. Dear guy in the Captain America t-shirt in Avengers Age of Ultron, is it okay if I, like, take your straw? Are you done with that? you done with that drink? Sorry, I just got, like, ten minutes to clean, you know? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you know, I told you there was, like, nothing after the credits, right? There really is nothing after the credits. I wasn't joking about that. No, I'm not fucking with you, I swear. There's nothing after the credits. The internet's been saying there's nothing after the credits for, like, months now. Dude, can I just, can I just clean? I know you had like six refills and I did not see you get up once because you were so into this fucking movie. And I understand because the movie's funny and shit, but you, you need to get up now. Thanks, Chloe. And now back to the show. All right. This question is from Sam and he asks, do you own- Or she asks. Or she asks. Sam's a, could be a boy or a girl. Sam, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you own any movie posters? And if so, what are they? All right. So I guess I should go first because we're sitting in a room of my movie posters that are on the wall right now. I have a, a beautiful sweet movie poster that I absolutely love. And I, I like the movie sweet movie. I like a lot of things in it. It's not a favorite, but the poster is fucking phenomenal. I'll post a picture of it. It's a nude lady and she's, (laughs) (laughs) She's about to eat some Karl Marx ice cream that's like dripping into her mouth and it's a sweet movie on the top and the sweet movie's dripping like bloodish whatever and it's an amazing poster and I adore it. I also have Buffalo 66 Brown Bunny posters next to each other because Vincent Gallo seeing his stuff really motivated me to make my own stuff. It was one of those filmmakers you fall in love with that just makes you want to get out there and do it. I have a poster for Fall, the uh, Eric Schaefer film, another big favorite of mine, and a signed poster, Tony Jaa, The Protector. Yeah. He was doing a martial arts demo. I was working that day. My mom went Did and- Did he jump over you? He didn't, I didn't get to go. I could not get out of work. My mom was You're also- pretty tall. I don't know. He might not be able to. <laughs> also a huge uh, Tony Jaa fan, my mom. She went, 
she uh, saw the amazing martial arts demo. There are YouTube clips of it. I'll try and find like a clip of that. It might not be the exact one, but it was a demo he was doing across uh, the U.S. in promotion for the uh, the American release of the film. And you know, you see him do the stuff where he does the kick from standing position, where he he kicks somebody like you know two or three people tall. You know, it's just it's amazing. Like okay. people standing on each other and all that. I got a question for you. There's a fire in the warehouse, and you can only save one. The last print of either Ongbach or the Protector. What do you do? The Protector. Really? That's my one. I, I like that one. I think Ongbach is the better movie. Like, I much prefer Ongbach from beginning to end. But that staircase scene in The Protector is like genuinely one of the greatest pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen in my entire Absolutely. life. Absolutely. That is like Orson Welles good. Yeah. I, I'm haunted by this question. Because <laughs> I'd probably save The Protector, but then be like, God damn it, but Ongbach is so much better except yeah. for that one part. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so the two others that I have, well, actually three others. I can talk about the third one. I have a Rocky poster. Got to have a Rocky poster. It's just him with his arms in the air. And I have a Say Anything poster with just John Cusack with his arms in the air holding can a Can we mention, box. by the way, that just so the viewers know, the listeners know, Jenna has never seen Rocky. Well, I've seen parts of it, but no, I have not sat through it. You need to see it. And we need to do an episode just on Rocky. We need like a, we need like a hashtag campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna just watched Jenna versus Rocky. Rocky, Rocky versus Jenna or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to see it. Um, so yeah, that's my little motif I have with like the arms in the air, those next to each other. I just noticed that it fits. So might as well do it. And then in the middle between those two is a Dan Klaus sunshine cinemas poster, which was back when, you know, sunshine cinemas opened and Dan Klaus, the, the amazing illustrator did a nice, uh, commissioned piece and, uh, it's a it's an original of like that first run when they were just doing posters of that beautiful poster. Who's up next? Who's got posters? Uh, you know, all the posters that I have actually are kind of like your your description of sweet movie in the sense not that they're all naked ladies, but in the sense that um, I, I tend to buy posters that I'm hanging up a little bit more based on the image of right. the poster than my like complete love of the movie. So all the posters that I have are all uh, like old style illustrated posters because I love it. I just like I miss it so much when it's a photo on a poster it doesn't usually doesn't do it for me. It's got to be really, really good photo. Exactly. And so like I can think that the two big ones I have up right now, I, I moved sort of recently and so I'm still kind of working on decorating. But I have a fistful of dollars, a Italian illustrated one of just Clint Eastwood with holding a gun like kind of a close-up of a like you know from the chest up mm. really great looking it just looked great it's this wonderful illustration of Clint Eastwood I love that movie and then I also actually have a poster of Panic at Needle Park which is uh, oh I love that movie yeah it's, but you know the poster is so good impossible to watch more than once it yeah I've only it seen is it once so grueling it's mm. tough it's tough but the the poster is fantastic because it's this wonderful black and white poster that says um like God help Bobby and Helen. I forgot her name already. Mm. Uh, they're they're in love in Needle Park, and then it's a picture of Al Pacino and um, oh shit, Cat someone. Uh, Cat Dennings from Thor Two. It's Cat Dennings. It's not Cat Dennings. It's definitely young, it's definitely Cat Dennings. It's a young Cat Dennings uh, making out in in the, the park, and it's just it's structured so fantastically. If you, I would definitely you know I'll put I'll Kitty Win. Kitty Win. I knew it was it a up. cat. Yeah, I really thought it was Cat Dennings. <laughs> <laughs> So I have yeah, that. she had that great run in like 1968 to 1975. She was, dude, she was on fire. She was great in Godfather 2. Oh my God. Best part of that. Yeah. Anyway, continue, Jim. 
And then I used to have a whole bunch of Russian movie posters, same thing, old style illustrated ones like um, The Cranes Are Flying and Yvonne's Childhood, Battleship Potemkin, just because I love Russian artwork. I love Ivan's Childhood. And it's a wonder. I love all those movies too. Like I try to. What pick was the poster? Was like. it? I was it like him holding her over that chasm? Because that's like that's a wonderful. That's scene. one of my favorite shots in anything. The poster is a little less exciting because it's actually just sort of uh, Yvonne's face from the side. But then there's, um, I think, a bunch of that that debris that's very sort right. of crisscross in the in the bottom. A lot the of poster, debris in that movie. The poster isn't as good as that that scene, but it was I have a whole bunch of them. And then my actually my computer background and only because I haven't had the money to buy this poster is this amazing illustrated poster for Holy Mountain that's uh French and it's just um that rainbow room, but it's just illustrated and mm. it's so wonderful looking with actually a big naked dude in there. So I, I do should, have some nudity. I should mention quickly that if you're looking to frame some big old twenty seven by forty movie posters, best place for it, and this isn't a sponsorship at all. Like why would it even <laughs> be? But the best place to get them is actually Walmart.com. They have one that I think it's it usually hovers around 18 bucks, which is the cheapest you can possibly find a movie poster frame for. And it's, you know, it's it's a plastic, you know, it's not glass, but it looks great. I like it. You know, I, I highly recommend it. It's sturdy. It looks attractive. Go for that. That's right. my uh, plug that I'm not going to benefit from whatsoever. Y'all got to buckle yourselves the fuck in for this one, though, because I want to tell you my movie poster game is beyond on point. I'm like third generation at this. My grandfather, allegedly, I haven't seen it. I think it's in my aunt's house. There's stories of this, but I've never gotten to see it. He was friends with Willis Cooper, who made King Kong for King Kong. He was a stop motion animator for it. So he had a huge, like three foot by three foot King Kong poster shellacked onto a piece of plywood. Original. Oh my God. Nice. My father got briefly very into collecting posters, but he picked the perfect time to do it because it was like 77 to like 85. So he has originals. These used to all be all over my room and I completely destroyed the corners of like tack marks and everything, which I have nightmares about. (laughs) Originals, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Star Treks 1, 2, 3, Alien, Aliens, and a Revenge of the Jedi promo poster. Jesus. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, these are all just in storage at my parents' house. So then I got really into buying original half sheets, which are, um, they're as long as a standard movie poster, but they're like half the width. They're essentially like double-sized lobby cards. Are they the 1117 kind of thing? Uh, Yeah, like around there. They hover around there. Uh, Because originals you can get really cheap for movies that you wouldn't think. Right. So I got um, Galaxy of Terror, which was the Roger Corman... uh, monster movie the their alien ripoff which is the coolest fucking poster it's like a, a demon in like a post-apocalyptic landscape on like a pyramid attacking this woman and it just says galaxy of terror in blood letters and then i got um dinosaurus which was a 1960 <laughs> uh kids monster movie that has scenes that went right into jurassic park there's a part where people are sitting in a in a bus and the t-rex leans its head in to look against the bus and it's just his eye through the window and it is exactly that shot from Jurassic wow. Park. But that poster is great. It's it's painted and it's just a T-Rex fighting a uh, bulldozer with dinosaurus <laughs> in big letters over it. That's, That's awesome. like my fucking baby. And then I have um the, these are the three that I I rotate a lot of ones out, but these three always stay up. It's those two and I have a painted next stop Greenwich Village one. Ooh, Ooh I want that. Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful beautiful poster. 
And then... Um, Wait, can I just say that the, the bank... I work in West Village in the city, which is right where they shot that. And there's a Capital One bank that has a whole bunch of next up Greenwich Village uh, like prints in the fucking bank. That's so cool. And it's so cool. And I always, I go in there specifically to look at those all the which time. Which one is that? What cross streets? It's right on Avenue of the Americas, like a, I would say like West 3rd or... No, like West 4th. Like yeah, right okay. next to IFC. I think I know which one it is, but I, right I've never that, been in there. So I got to check corner. that out. Oh my God. You just got to go in there and just be like, oh, I just want to look at these posters. <laughs> I've seriously stopped and like pointed out to anyone who knows that movie. I like if we're walking past, I'm going, wait, you have to go into this fucking bank. Mm. Like, I want to know who did it. I, like that must've been some really cool ass manager. Like I really, I really love it. Okay. Continue. All right. That's, <laughs> that's what I have usually up. What I have in reserves, um, for my dad's birthday a couple of years ago, I got him an original 1951 one sheet for The Thing from Another World, which is his and my favorite um, sci-fi movie. Mm. It's It was the one that they remade as The Thing with Carpenter. And it's the fucking coolest poster. It's just The Thing in big green letters and then the people's faces in the movie all like in a row looking up at the monster under it, which they ended up like recreating to be the Japanese poster for Alien. Oh, wow. Um, that one's cool. It's huge. And then I got him a Fate as the Hunter half sheet, which is a great little movie about um, Glenn Ford trying to figure out what crashed an airplane. It's like a procedural type thing. And then I have four little 11 by 14 ones that I need to get framed and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, for Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and Land of the Dead. And these are the only ones I have that aren't original, but they're all signed. Oh, wow. By just about every living cast member of each one of the movies. Jesus. So they're like, all four of them are like top to bottom covered in signatures with, um, I even have Romero and uh, John Russo who wrote the first movie. I have them on them too. So those are, those are cool. I wanted to consolidate all the like big ones on night because it was my favorite, but day is Romero's favorite of them. So I mm. had him sign day. Those ones are cool. I, I got to put them all in like a big joint frame. Oh yeah. And then I just the other day splurged and bought two more. Um, this is like letting aside like dozens that I haven't put up. I have a whole set of lobby cards for um, uh, White Price Glory, which was a John Ford movie. And I used to have an original poster for the 1951 re-release of The Informer, which was John Ford's like first big movie. And it was um, until maybe the 60s, it was basically just decided that this was the best movie ever made. Mm. Like until the, the film school crowd got really into Kane, <laughs> everybody just said, yeah, the best movie ever made is The Informer. So it's um, it's Victor McLaughlin pointing to the title and then the words huge on the top of it were just the greatest film ever made. Wow. But that one got destroyed in a move. Mm. I'm really pissed about that. It got uh, the frame broke and then it got ripped inside it. It's really fucking sucked. I also have a uh, Splendor in the Grass half sheet that was hanging in a movie theater um, in 61 when the movie came out because the whole top of it is covered with just the movie times for that week. Mm. And that one's really cool. I, I had that one framed so that you can still see at the top the, yeah. like, the, the writing in Sharpie, you know, two showings, 10 p.m. and midnight because it was banned in so many places and they couldn't play it during the day. Right. Mm. But yeah, I just got two more the other day. I got, um, I call these purchases the way of nature and the way of grace. I got <laughs> a uh, 11 by 14 original but torn for The Fugitive which was a John Ford movie with Henry Fonda where he's playing a priest in uh, Latin America. That one's beautiful. It's like a hand-painted picture of him crossing the uh, the countryside. And I got a uh, a bigger one, an original for Faces of Death. Oh, really? The VHS poster. Like it's, the Gorgon video yeah, one? Yeah, it's Gorgon video on the bottom. It's a 
It's a giant skull holding like a snake. Mm. Nice. It's the, I'll take a picture of it. It's like the best thing I ever got. That's awesome. That's probably a third of the ones I have. And I just, I live in a fucking studio apartment. Yeah. So I don't have any space for any of these. But you can find really good ones on eBay for, you know, pretty reasonable prices. Usually 30 bucks. The, the going rate for a nice condition half, half sheet for a movie, you know, that has a cool poster mm-hmm. or is a movie that people know about original is like 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, and then it's cheaper for lobby cards and that sort of thing. Big I, size posters are still very expensive. Yeah. They're so yeah. expensive. I keep running into that. It's just like everything I love. That's beautiful. Of course is rare as, as it always goes. And then it's always like $400. But the which, half sheet market, I'm telling you, go, just go to eBay, click to the poster section and just hit half sheet. And it's right. the same art. It's just vertically formatted. And it's like, a fifth of the price. Right. And if you live and in you an apartment, those, it's yeah, way easier. You can easier. fit way more in your apartment. Yeah. I've seen those for about a hundred though. They're, Depends you can on get the them movie. For less. Yeah, I guess. Depends on the movie. I think my sweet movie one was only like 20 bucks. So sometimes you That's find, a repro though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I haven't seen an original or another repro. I was trying to find you another repro. You know how you repro. can tell if it's an original, by the way? Oh. They used to fold them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the only trick you need to know. <laughs> Until like the 70s, they folded That's them. a really good tip. Yeah, I couldn't find any repros of it. Again, I found other sweet movie posters, but not that one. And I, I adore that one. See, I'm on the fence too, actually, about uh, like reproductions versus the originals, because even if they are $400, they're going to hold that value. It's so not I even the like, value for me. It's just, I kind of like that they were, you know, the ones I have are always I'm just talking about in, spending $400 on yeah. a fucking poster. The like, ones I have are always in pretty bad condition though, because I, I kind of prefer that. I, I just love the idea of that it was like, a poster that was hanging. Right. You sure. know, like I love the, the... You wanted to be in use. Yeah, the, the sort of heritage of them. Because like the, the Splendor and the Grass one, I think that's so great that it's just, you know, you can see the scribbling on it from the from the guy setting up the showtimes for it. And that's as cool to me as just having the, the piece of art by itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Having that little touch of like when it was, when it was new. Cool. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Any final words, uh, Jenna? I'm just in shock that Tommy uh, contacted us, well, via Rift Tracks and then came on, and that's wonderful. I'm so happy about that. Thanks, yeah, Tommy. Yeah, it was great to have him. Thanks again to Rift Tracks for uh, making this possible, and definitely go see that. I mean, it's going to be a hell of an event. We love the Rift Tracks, guys. We love all that stuff. If you can't make it on the 6th or if it's sold out, they're playing it again on the 12th. It's not going to be live, obviously, but it's going to be worth seeing. Uh, John, any final words? Thank you, Tommy, for coming on and being straight with us. And, uh, you know, like all filmmakers, I hope the best for them. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. See you soon.